Today we're going to talk about confidence with Professor Alex Stajkovich, who's a University of Wisconsin-Madison professor in organizational behavior. So Alex, a lot of your research is on confidence. So we're going to get into the details here in just a minute, but we have to get this off the table. Would you consider yourself a confident person? I don't feel, I don't believe in being confident for everything. I don't believe in Superman or Superwomen, right? But I do believe in being confident in a certain domain of activities. So let me give you my profession. So you have to teach, you have to be in public, public speaking, writing, research, analysis, being on your own fits me perfectly. I'm very confident. I always been, for let's say, for talking, right? I can talk. I can just go out and blow you at all you want. It doesn't faze me at all we have a thousand people or ten thousand people and I knew that for a long time there's a lot of activities out there for which I do not believe on confidence so I see confidence is a domain related belief okay so if confidence is a domain related belief how do you differentiate it from a belief that you can do a specific task is confidence more general than that or how do you see it Absolutely. So let me, let me give you a little bit of a background. So I started with self-efficacy, right? That was my dissertation. That was the beginning of my career. And self-efficacy is how strongly you believe you can do a specific task in a given context, right? So it's a very state-like variable, meaning you can do X, but that doesn't mean you, you can do Y, right? It has to be very specific for you to say, yes, I can do that. So I started with that, and theoretically... Being a state variable, efficacy can change. So you and I can sit down and supposedly develop somebody's efficacy in a day for something, right? So that's very nice. That's great for popular consumption, except that nobody ever talks about what if something could be increased in a day, could it be ruined in a day? And they never talk about that, right? So basically, if I can increase something in a day, I probably can ruin it. So it's very ephemeral variable. So I'm a bigger believer in... By certain age, we all kind of figure out what we're good at, if you wish, more or less. And we figure out what activities in general we're confident with and we're not. So I'm way more into you trying to figure out what that is and looking for fit. Find fit between your confidence and between the profession or a job or whatever the job demands are. The more you're a fit for that, probably the more happier you're going to be, probably the more productive you're going to be then. That doesn't mean you cannot do it. Could you maybe elaborate on that last part a little? So even if you're not confident, you can still do it. So then why does it matter if you have confidence for it or not? Think about it. Think about two people. One is confident, one is not, right? And the one that is not, can they do it? Sure. But are they going to spend more mental energy? Probably. Are they going to spend more physical energy? Probably. Well, multiply that by whatever, 25 days in a month times 30 years of working, and then let's see who's going to spend more energy to be at the same level of performance. So I'm a much bigger believer that it's, I'm not saying you're necessarily born with that. I'm pretty sure you develop it in some sort of interaction between your genetics and the environment. But I am just not sure that all of that could be just developed in a day for anyone, for any task. I'm just not sure that's realistic anymore. Are people very good judges of their confidence? Um, in other words, if people are confident for something, uh, does it actually turn out that they're confident for that? Or how do we know what we're confident for? 
Well, I mean, <laughs> that's actually an excellent question. It's the most direct evidence you have is from yourself, right? Because you're living it, you're doing it. So if you, if you think just, just philosophically, very few people know as much about you as you do, therefore they cannot really tell you as accurately. However, on the other hand, people are very bad judges when it comes to many things they care about, right? So they usually overestimate everything about themselves. They overestimate their looks. They even overestimate their height. <laughs> they, they overestimate their IQ. So on the other hand, no, they're not. But I think if you want to be realistic, if you don't have to go into those social desirability comparisons, usually with peers or whoever else, I think if you're on a long flight, you have a few drinks, you're thinking about your life, I'm pretty sure you know what you think you're good at and what you are not. Not always, right? Nothing's perfect, but if you're not, if I'm not the best sort of estimator of myself at my age, I honestly don't know who would be, but... Let's get into your topic a little bit. So your dissertation was on self-efficacy, published in Psychological Bulletin, and then in 2006, you put out your theory of core confidence in Journal of Applied Psychology. Would you mind sharing with us how this theory of confidence came to you? Well, it was... If you start, when you start doing your PhD in management, OB, whatever, this related areas, pretty quickly they're going to hit you with the skill and the will, right? I mean, the foundation of everything people do is the skill and the will, a skill you got to have some ability, capacity. But somewhere there, I don't, I don't have a specific moment like, ha ha, I had the epiphany. It was like, well, what if you don't believe you can do it? Right? So it was like, okay, I see I have a lot of friends who are saying, I want to do my PhD, I want to pursue it. And they're smart as they come. And they want to do it, but then somewhere they're like, yeah, I know, but I'm not quite sure I can, right? And then you start reading literature, and then you had uh, women in engineering in the 70s. Uh, well, why aren't they studying? And you know the stereotypical answers, turns out. Well, no, they have as much ability as anybody else. They have a desire, but when you ask them about a confidence, it was totally down, right? So that was a big predictor. And then you start getting these students who are saying, well, that's everything, because in a lot of professional anything, professional sports, publishing, you name it, those people have skill. They obviously have desire to go to school for that long. But I think what creates the variance is deep down belief, can I do this? Can I actually execute this, right? So when I teach this, I ask students, I said, because they typically, they go, oh my God, yes, yes, of course. Because the thing with confidence is not as obvious as skill and will, because people will tout their skill quickly. Oh, I'm this, I'm that. But a confidence is more personal thing. You don't necessarily tell people, gee, but I doubt about this, or I doubt I can do this. So we don't share it as much. So it's not as obvious to gauge or estimate. People kind of keep that down, right? But when you talk to them about it, they basically open up the spigot. Like that one MD saying he had a colleague that had MCAT at 99 percentile. Trust me, that's super smart. Went through all the schooling but couldn't, just wasn't confident they can, they can make those decisions at the operating table and quit. Quit after the first year of residency, right? So are you saying that skill and motivation are not enough? It's great you have a skill and motivation, but boy, what if you don't believe? Because what, what's happening then, think about it. That means we have the potential, right? But it's untapped. Every time people can't do something and have a motivation, but they don't believe they can do it, and then they don't even give it a shot, or they don't give an effort, don't even try, or give up too soon. 
we as a society or as the world are losing potential. How would people function if they're riddled by doubt? So do you think confidence is more important than skill and will? I'm not saying that confidence is the most important anything like that because confidence without skill could be a disaster, right? It is an enabler of skill and will that it's often forgotten because it's more private. People don't flaunt it as readily as they flaunt their skills and motivation. You know, I think that's a really interesting and valid point that people are internalizing their doubts or confidence a lot of the time. But that kind of begs the question of if it's internal, how much can it really be changed? So if you if you just read efficacy work, they would say, hey, it could be changed anytime you wish. It might take effort, might take training, but it could be changed. Therefore, it's a state variable, a little more ephemeral. It's, it's like attitudes and moods, right? Okay, today you have a kind of bad mood, if you wish, but tomorrow you're in a better mood. It changes perfectly okay. So that's what they believe. Then you have a sort of hardcore genetics. It's all your production of protein. I don't believe in that either. So I think it's the interaction. It's the interaction, obviously, of who you are, because just dismissing that, it's kind of nonsensical. And then it's the environment in which you grew up to a certain age. I don't know what the age is, but, you know, give it 18, 20, somewhere there. So where do I fall in that? I believe in what I call domain-relatedness, meaning I think people are confident for a certain set of activities that are related within a certain domain. Could you maybe give a quick example of what you mean by domain-related? So let's say uh, you're a writer, you're a journalist, you're probably confident for all the things around that, right? Writing, editing, presenting, talking, investigating, all the rest of it. I'm a professor, I am probably confident for the activities around that, teaching, being in front of people, talking to students, presenting, handling rejections, publishing parish, uh, doing consulting, talking to executives. So I believe in domain-relatedness, that kind of confidence developed over time as an interaction between the environment and who you were based on your parents, basically. Okay, so getting a little bit more into your theory of core confidence, in your research you say that core confidence manifests itself through self-efficacy, resilience, hope, and optimism. Could you explain maybe a little bit to us how you came to theorize that those were the four variables that core confidence impacted? So I'm in the efficacy originally, right? I'm reading efficacy. I'm a young scholar. Of course, you can't help but read resilience. It's sort of right there, you know? And then you start reading it, and it's almost like you're reading the same variable, but just named differently. Well, okay, are these really different, right? And so those were the first two I connected. Then, almost inevitably, optimism is somewhere there. If you're into this literature, this is what you do every day. And optimism, all of a sudden, well, it's an, it's an expectation of an outcome. Sort of like, do you believe an outcome would happen? So, of course, we just connect the dots. It's like, how in the world can I be, can I believe that I can do something, yet I don't believe that it would happen? Why in the world would I undertake it, right? 
So that intrigued me. So I started digging to actually in the literature to look at the definitions. Well, hope includes optimistic outcomes about resilience, and resilience is efficacious optimism. And, you know. So it's like, gosh, are these really different? Then I got empirically into it. And it turns out they're very, very highly correlated. So basically what I did in 06, I proposed confidence as a latent or higher level construct or core construct. What do you mean by core construct? Basically I'm saying these four are just observable manifestations of a core, and I believe they have a common core. They have overlapping underlying variants together, and I think all of that is confidence. They're just different linguistic manifestations of this deep down thing that sits in you, which I believe is confidence. So when you teach this in the classroom, what is the reaction of your students? Well, so I teach in executive MBA program and evening MBA. So executive MBAs, they come in and with them, they know a lot about business. So actually, if you talk to them, the basics, the accounting, the whatever, they're like, just, I don't need that. I, I have people to help me with that. Tell me something I don't know. And typically, that's tell me something about humans. Tell me something about how do you manage humans? How do you motivate humans? When they all come to work, I know they come with a range. I know they can probably do more if they want it. I know some are right above the, the line where they get punished, and I know some are the 90th percentile. What is some of the difference? What are some of the factors that are creating this variance? And basically, that's where we get right away. Well, one is work motivation. How motivated are you? What does motivation depend on? Well, it depends on a lot of things, but one of them certainly is do you believe you can do it? Because think about it. In contemporary organizations, you overload me with just about everything under the sun, and I'm reasonably skilled, but there is new things. There is shifting priorities. There is uh, uh, acquisition of technology. There is global interconnectedness that half I don't understand, let alone the impact it has on me. So, yeah, I mean, at some point I start going, well, gee, I mean, can I handle all this? So, I'm, so when I tell them one of those things is confidence, they're like, oh, tell us more. And the reason they say, oh, again, because it's a reasonably private thing. People don't flaunt that like they flaunt other things. So actually, the most comments I get out of all the topics I teach is on confidence. What do you tell your students or our listeners here as the key takeaways? What, what can they take back to their organizations related to confidence that can help them increase their satisfaction with their jobs, their life, and their performance? Yeah, well, I, I would, again, I would have to sound a little bit like an academic and say, well, it depends on what you believe, right? So this is not physics. This is not gravity we're talking about. We're talking about psychological variables. They reside in your head. Well, we're trying to estimate what's that through theory and measurement, but it's not gravity we're measuring. So... A certain group of people would tell you, hey, anybody can do anything. It's all changeable. Let's just set your mind to it. We'll train you to be confident for things that you're never confident before. Okay, great. If that's what you believe, God bless you, so to say. I'm not sure I believe that anymore. I did when I was 20. Now I think it's, <laughs> well, I don't know. We're all sort of, I believe everybody's good at something. And, of course, if you are... 
more good at X versus B, you're probably going to pursue that. It sort of makes logical sense. And the more you pursue it, the more you learn you're good with that, you develop some confidence. So right now, I am telling people the two stories. If you believe the first one, I'm not going to say no. Uh, if you want to go and try to develop it in a day, that's okay. But I'm right now a bigger believer in fit. Try to figure out what do you have, what do you enjoy, what do you think you're good at, and try, if at all possible, I understand the constraints of the economy and jobs and the rest of it, but if at all possible, try to find fit between who you think you are in terms of what you're confident for and what that job requires. If you find a fit, you're probably going to use less mental energy to do it, you're probably going to use less physical energy, you're probably going to enjoy it more, you're probably going to be happier, and take it all together, you're probably going to be more productive. Uh, times 30, 40 years of work, you're probably going to be more successful at the end of it. Am I telling people go pigeonhole yourself? Absolutely not. Am I telling them you can't do anything else? Absolutely not. But I'm trying to give them options. I'm trying to give them options so they can figure out what is it that they believe and that they want to pursue. I'm not into telling anybody, at least not in social sciences, this is one way or no way or something like that. So that's what I believe right now. It develops a certain level. Can you grow it? Sure, absolutely. I think I grow more confident by the day in what I'm doing because I've seen more. I experience more. I'm more in active mastery, so I know how to handle reviewers, publishing, rejections. Absolutely. Uh, will I ever become confident in golf? No, I suck, and I, I can play it, and I try, and it annoys me, and there you have it, right? So I just try to give students options, and they can then figure out if they, if they think fit makes sense or if they simply believe they can develop efficacy for anything they want to. So I just basically try to give them as many nuggets, but it's it's ultimately up to them to decide what they believe and what they want to pursue. I think you've given great examples for individuals maybe within a company, but what about people that manage others? How can managers use this knowledge about confidence to help set their people up for more success? Again, two approaches to it. One is epistemological approach. How do I approach anything in life? Well, there's three aspects to it. Self-awareness, self-reflection, and self-regulation, right? Self-awareness means do you have the evidence? Do you have the information that is needed, the information that is good, that is pertinent? Then, self-reflection, well, you've got to reflect on that to make some sense out of it, and only then you act. So I'll tell every manager, don't act right away before you reflect. And it's hard to think about something if you don't have good data, right? So then they can say, okay, what the heck are you talking about? Well, one is it would sort of help to know who in your estimate is confident for what. Now, of course, skeptics are going to say, what if you have 1,000 people? You, yeah, of course, I can't know 1,000 people, but everybody works with somebody on a more closer team, maybe 5, 10 people, their, your direct reports. Maybe you can figure what they're good at. And then, how about talk to those 10? <laughs> hey, listen, I think this is going on. I think you feel very confident traveling, negotiating. You're sort of open to experiences. I think you thrive on that. Am I correct? Now, let's say a person goes, you got it, man. I love doing that. Okay, how about you go negotiate these contracts, right? Then you talk to person Y, and they're like, oh, I don't know, it's just not my thing. You know, I'd rather sit here, be a little more analytical, stay close to home, 
that's just who I am. So I am telling all the managers, try to figure out who your people are. Don't treat them as furniture. Don't, don't you ever assume they're all the same. Again, I get it. You can do 1,000, but if you have your, you know, like direct reports, maybe 10 of them, 15, go talk to them, figure out, see who they are, and try to put them in the most fitting positions, if at all possible. Where does skill and will fit into this? This is controlling for skill and motivation. I'm not saying, you know, put a confident person without a skill or anything like that. Just kind of take a look, see where they're confident and try to put them in the best possible position. So I think the more, basically it's awareness. That's the long answer is try to get as much awareness as you can when it comes to this variable. Also, people are going to fake it. They might not tell you, hey, you know what, boss, I don't feel confident. That kind of doesn't look good, right? because it's a normatively laden construct, which is why I'm a huge believer of get to know your people, get to know. I'm not saying you have to go drink beer. You don't have to, but just get to know them genuinely. And the more you get to know them, the more you know what their fears, desires, preferences are, and the more you try to figure it out, the more you can put them in the best fitting positions. Now, somebody said, well, that's too much. Well, that's why we're paying you more as a leader, as a manager, to try to go figure that out. We're not just paying you to be a supervisor to make sure that assembly uh, line works. We're paying you out there to try to figure your people and put them in the best positions. So awareness, self-awareness. Go out and try to figure out who your people are and then try to do the best possible thing in terms of putting them for the positions that they feel confident about, assuming they want it. Thanks, Alex. That does it for our time today. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast about confidence. And Professor Stajkovic, thank you for joining us. For more information about Professor Alex's research, you can visit his website at www.stajkovic.biz.